Hale Varsity Radio every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hale Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Gary making it home. Two on the board for Gary. Gives the Huskers their largest lead of the night at 13. Huskers on the move in transition. Williams to Gary. Kicking off hour number two here on Hurt at Sports Radio, AM 590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. That's DB. I'm Robbie Lula. We're live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube as well. Joining us now on the Warhorse Sportsbook hotline is Mike DeCourcy. He covers college hoops for, well, just about everybody, but Sporting News, Big Ten Network, Fox Sports as well. Mike, how are you this morning? I am well this morning. How are you guys? Good, good. Quick turnaround for you, Mike. Getting out of the studio last night, and I apologize for us getting you out of out of bed and ready to go, man. <laughs> no, but I appreciate it. I'm on it. my way home. I'm on my way home, so it's just fine. Mike, so uh, let's start with Nebraska basketball. Obviously, they finally got the road win against Indiana last week. They wrap up their week with a convincing win against Minnesota. I know you do some brackets as well. How confident are you in Nebraska being on the right side of the bubble this morning? Oh, this morning, uh, as confident as one could be. Uh, I, I would say certain is, uh, is not an unfair description this morning. Uh, All they have to do is not do anything really awful now. And uh, the problem for them is that most of their losing most of what's left, uh, they have three regular season games, and they probably shouldn't lose any of them. If they lost at Ohio State, it wouldn't be the worst because it is a quad one game. And and Michigan State and Purdue have both lost that game in the last eight days. So uh, it wouldn't be the worst, but it would be nice for them to get a road win. Uh, another road win to add to that, and that would be a quad one road win, and it, it, it could do wonders for their seeding. Uh, but I, it, I think if they win the other two, uh, that, that should be less daunting than the, than the trip to Ohio State. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, and I think you, you, you win the games you can win, and they've done a really good job of, of just attacking the schedule that's in front of them. But, like, just for laughs and giggles, there's no real advantage – let's say, moving off the 10 line, right? I mean, you don't really want to no. be a 9. You don't want to be an 8 either. So it's like – You do not. <laughs> so unless you're going to jump to a 7, I feel like I'm okay with, with with maybe a potential 10 seed, which is where I think smart guys like yourself have in Nebraska probably currently, right? Yes. Uh, I, that, there, there's absolute truth to that. Like I said, kind of the good news in that scenario is that if you do win those three games or two of the three, you you probably aren't moving up much anyway. I think I'm going to have them as a nine uh, in the seed list that I present today. Um, I think I will, uh, but uh, I you're, but it's gonna it's going to be somewhere between those two. I mean, you're like the last nine of the first ten, and you know I, I I can do a pretty good job of approximating them. But there are ten, eleven people in that room. You never know for sure how they're going to vote. 
But there's to me, there's no way at this stage that they would be left out. It, and I and I the way they're playing and how how connected they are and how veteran they are and how tough minded they are, I have a hard time seeing them lose two of the three or all three of the remaining regular season games. Robbie and I were having a discussion earlier this morning, Mike, about how maybe even locally and certainly nationally because just of the depth, the macro versus micro, Koiberg he should get a ton of credit for how he put this team together. They, 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 they play with some joy. They like one another. The, the roles fluctuate. It's hard to pinpoint the guy. And they, they still seem to continue to evolve. Like, are we underselling the job he did putting this team together? Oh, I hope not. I think he's a great candidate for Big Ten Coach of the Year. There we go. I think, I think he's a, a really strong candidate. I'm not going to make any declarations. I don't vote for Big Ten Coach of the Year. I do vote uh, through the AP for the all-conference teams, but I don't have a vote for Coach or Player of the Year. So I, I think the Player of the Year award is probably going to be pretty easy to figure, uh, but the Coach of the Year, always a challenge to, to, to know exactly where that's going to go. But I, I think he's done an amazing job. I talked last night on Big Ten Basketball and Beyond and, uh, and on some of our other shows about how this turnaround that has happened this year for Nebraska basketball really has began last February. And I, I think I pinpointed it to February 11th that they won a game that Casey went off, and, and it really started to head in this direction, and they wound up winning five of their final six regular season games. And then they did bow out quickly in the uh, Big Ten tournament, which was a little disappointing because they played so well. But uh, they, that, that, that set this up. And then he added some really good pieces and, and the beauty of this team, and what I really like about it, is that the pieces he added are they're, they're, they were they were obviously given great consideration to how they would fit. Not just okay, he averaged twelve points a game and yep. shot forty percent from three, so so we need him. No, it it was it was more than that. It was how is this player going to fit into what we want to be? And you don't see that very often, and you certainly don't see it work as often or as as beautifully. Uh, often you don't see it work as beautifully as it has for the Huskers this year. I love how you, I, I, I love how you kind of put that together because we were talking this morning and, you know, it, it, Juwan Gary, right, the evolution. Yeah, he's pretty underappreciated maybe on a national level. We love him here. But even a guy like my favorite that gets overlooked is, is a guy like Bryce. And Bryce, his temperament has to be complimentary to how Nebraska plays. He's kind of a low-maintenance, doesn't need a babysitter. He's an efficient guy. He's okay with us not talking about him a ton. Same as, like, let's say a, a Gary can evolve offensively when he knows we used to only talk about his defense. Like, their ability to know who they are, I think, is grossly undervalued. Yeah, I mean, they have great role definition, and – and what they what they do really well is that they find the weakness in the defense relative to what their particular strengths are. Uh, if it, if it's a team that's going to be punished uh, by by Jawan getting in the lane and causing havoc, then that's sort of the emphasis for that game. And uh, and and they don't have a true first option, but they also don't have a true fifth option. They don't have they don't have many rotations where you say don't throw the ball at that guy. Uh, that's that's. You know that's a that's a real strength for this team. They they can they can evolve according to what you don't do well. And yesterday, um, they, we've seen Rink Mass have some problems with 
dynamic shot blockers mm-hmm. uh, on occasion, guys like Cliff Amore and Julian Reese. And, and so with the way Pharrell Payne had been playing, it looked like a matchup that might be problematic. So what did they do? Well, they always set Rink at the top of the key because he's because it's a you know he can shoot from there and 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 because he can you know he can pass out of the post as well and or pass out of the high post and and so what they saw very quickly yesterday was that when he put the ball on the floor, Minnesota's defense became unraveled. It, it they did Payne was not comfortable with that, and and right away his great physical strength and dynamism were muted because the ball was on the floor and it was moving, and and that really opened up the offense for the Huskers. So there were lots of different – there's just a lot of different ways that they can beat you. And it, it, there, there was that time when Casey had a tough stretch and it coincided with the Huskers not playing as well. But they can go games now without Casey going for 20 or whatever. They still take it if he's on, um, and they'll still try to work it when, when it presents itself because he's terrific. But if it's not there that night because the opposing defense has decided that's not how they're going to lose, then they can go away from it and they can still win. We're talking with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. Mike, you, you mentioned, you know, you thought that the Big Ten Player of the Year is probably all wrapped up and that makes sense. But let's take Zach Eady out of the, the discussion. Who have you been most impressed by on an individual basis from, uh, from a Big Ten team this year? Uh, probably Boo Booey because there's so much weight on him. Uh, it's a program that uh, still has only made two NCAA tournaments in its history uh, and, and that is going to try to make the second consecutive NCAA tournament for the first time ever. They did not handle that opportunity well in 2018 uh, because they came back with nearly everybody from the 17 team that, that, that not only got to the tournament but played really well mm-hmm. once they were there. Uh, and then they kind of just regressed. So there was a lot of pressure on this team uh, with bringing back, again, a lot, but not everybody from last year's season, uh, and to, to, be, to try to back it up. And then after the Dayton win early, and then they played really well in the league early, and, and then it became apparent that it was possible. So there was a lot of pressure on Boo, uh, a lot of weight, and, and he stood up to it really beautifully. And then, of course, with the loss of Ty Berry a week or two ago, now there's, you know, it's back even more because uh, they've got they've got one less double figure scoring option on a team that didn't have many, and and he you know he has handled that. Uh, they've gotten other guys to step up, Ryan Langborg in particular, uh, but it, it still all falls to Boo, beginning to end, and he's handled it just beautiful. Mike, do you feel like you ha- if you had to cap a team, do you feel like you have a better handle on Illinois or Michigan State? Oh, I don't. I, I don't understand Michigan State. I'll be. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I I don't understand them at all. Um, Illinois. I, I don't have a hard time really understanding. I know what they are. Uh, they're a team full of dynamic. Basically, it's it's five dynamic wings. Just one of them happens to be six eleven, six ten, uh, and and they and they play out of that. They don't have any real point guard. So uh, one guy has to handle the ball at, at, at any particular time, and and that player has to try to make plays. And they're all. Uh, you know, Damask is very good at it. Uh, Shannon is very good at making plays for himself. He's not selfish, but he's not a creator. Uh, and, of course, uh, we've seen uh, Coleman Hawkins do magical things for a 6'11 guy, 6'10 guy from yeah. that position, uh, creating. Uh, so, some of the passes he threw on Saturday in their victory were ridiculous. Uh, and some were just beautiful in terms of their awareness. Uh, but uh, he, they, they have a lot of guys that can do that. And, you know, I... 
Hawkins sometimes vexes me. Um, his game against Penn State, I talked about Especially it late. last night. Yeah, I mean, he made three massive errors in the final 35, 40 seconds, and, and two of them were totally unavo- totally avoidable, I should say, and the other was missing a couple of free throws, one of which might have won the game. Uh, that, but, the, you know, the mistakes he made in that game, and, and I'll, I'll give Brad Underwood a lot of credit. One, you know, he, he made it clear to Coleman that, you know, you're a great player, you can't be doing these things. And, he, and, it, and, and Coleman responded with the best game of his career on Saturday. Uh, and then the other thing that I was really impressed by with Brad Underwood on Saturday uh, was Nico Moretti came in early in the second half and played great. He wrote it. And instead of just, instead of just saying, yeah, exactly, instead of just saying, well, okay, we got some nice minutes out of Nico, let's go back to what we always do. Yeah. And, you know, they said, hey, and he never took him out. Yeah. I don't think he got a rest. I think he, I think he remained in the rotation, uh, on the, in, the, in the lineup the entire rest of the game, and he played really solidly on defense. And he made a couple of shots, and he made a free throw, and and they went, they win the game. And I I really respected that from Brad uh, because I think sometimes coaches are, you know, they they, they, they go by what they've done always, and it, it, you know, especially at this time of year, always doesn't get you as far as it can. Hmm. Mike, I, I'm curious about Purdue at the top of the league. I, obviously, they've had a great regular season bouncing back from uh, their early tournament exit last year. They've got, you know, the odds on favorite for not just Big East player of the year, but national player of the year. Do you think they're constructed in a way that would allow them to make a deep tournament run, at least give them a better chance for that than they had obviously last year? Yeah, I think it's obvious the key to that is Lance Jones. He gives them a second ball handler, uh, I won't go so far as to call Lance a creator, but Lance can get himself a shot, uh, and he's not, and he's a willing passer. If anybody's obviously open, he'll throw it to them when he when he gets on the move. But he, I don't think he's a true creator. But uh, but he, like I said, he'll 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 make a play when it's when it's obviously available because somebody overcommits to him. Uh, he 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 is a consistent shooter. If you look um, at his season numbers, I haven't looked lately, but they're not overwhelming. But if you look since January 1, since we resumed Big Ten play, uh, they're, they're much better, which is impressive because there's no bye games in there. Mm-hmm. There's no easy games in there. It's all Big Ten competition. And, and his, his three-point numbers are much better in, in that stretch. So I, I would suspect that will carry over into March. So I do think they are better constructed in that sense. Plus, you know, Braden Smith is a year older as the point guard, and he's having a tremendous season. Uh, I still want to see better uh, more aggressive basketball out of Fletcher Lawyer. We saw more aggressive yesterday at, at Michigan, which was good. It still missed a couple of shots you'd like him to make, but he, but he was willing to take them. He, he went through a stretch of five games in which he was one of seven from three. And I told uh, uh, Rachel Davis on the set on, uh, on Saturday, I said, I'm not bothered by the one. I'm bothered by the seven. I mean, he, wasn't, he was passing up open shots, mm. and they just can't have that. They, they need the space that the threat of that shot provides. And if you're going to walk away from shots, um, then they're, then they're not going to honor them. They're just going to stay home and, and, and keep the ball from getting into eating. Mike, let me ask you on the, on the national scale last week, kind of the question revolved around the worst team that could win a national championship in basketball. And let me phrase it a different way and kind of narrow it down about uh, level of buy-in. If you had to decide today, like rapid fire, would you take Kansas or FAU? Kansas or Florida Atlantic? Yeah. Like what, to win one game? To, 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 to advance 
to 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 make a run in March once the dance starts? I'm not a big believer in Florida Atlantic. I think they had a nice run last year. It was a beautiful run. What they achieved was singularly beautiful, but uh, they should have not won their first game because the refs blew a timeout call. It, 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 I don't know if you guys saw it. but they Yeah, those T-shirts. Those T-shirts were, were awesome. I loved it. If the T-shirts, for those who weren't watching, said, we called a, we, we called a timeout because they, they were on the floor with the ball, try to call a timeout. Uh, the ref didn't grant it, and then it, they ended up in a tie-up, and the arrow favored Florida Atlantic, and they were able to conjure the winning basket. So Florida, uh, Memphis is still bitter about that uh, because FAU wound up in the Final Four, and they and Memphis had to go home after a game they, that they might have won otherwise. All right, Tennessee or Arizona? Uh, I, I, t- I trust Tennessee more. Hmm. Uh, I think they're much better offensively now that Dalton Connect is a part of their group. Uh, he's having a tremendous season. I, I've seen Caleb Love shoot teams in and out of games now for three years, and I, you know, I mean that's that's the reality. I mean, oh, he, he, I'm a diehard Carolina fan. That's why I chuckle. Yeah, there you. Well, there you go. You know as well as anybody. I mean, I, honest to goodness, um, on I, I can't remember whether it was the we were I was at a regional or the Final Four last year, and on Friday I think it was Armando Baycott announced he was coming back to Carolina, and on Saturday. R.J. Davis announced he was coming back to Carolina, and I said immediately, I said, well, we know Caleb Love is leaving. We don't know <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one from me, uh, and right aforementioned, Carolina or Duke? Oh, wow, that's a tough one. That really is. Uh, Duke's are, freshmen are playing still- better. They're start- they kind of scare me now than the last week. Yeah. Assuming Filipowski is healthy, uh, I think that the offense, the, the variety of offense that Duke has um, gives me a little bit more confidence. What, what prevents me from thinking that they could win a championship, I think Carolina could win it, possibly. Not, not, not likely, but possibly. But I don't think Duke can, because Carolina can protect the rim, Duke can't. But if you're asking me who goes farther, I think Duke probably does. But it, again, it all comes down to draw. Uh, who Does there somebody out there who... Uh, takes advantage of Duke's inability or, or weakness at, at protecting the rim. Uh, uh, we saw Duke go down to Cam- excuse me, Pitt go down to Cameron uh, and take advantage of that a few weeks ago. So uh, we saw, to a lesser extent, Wake do it on Saturday. Uh, so we know it's possible for for really good, solid teams to do that. Um, but uh, I, I do like Duke's offense as much as nearly anybody's in the country. We're talking with Mike DeCorsi of the Sporting News. Uh, Mike, you mentioned Filipowski, so I've got to bring up the court storming uh, issue. Obviously, it's a it's become a much more, I guess, hot-button topic here between Caitlin Clark and Kyle Filipowski, both kind of having incidents this season. Is there a good way in your mind to either prevent this from happening or make it safer? Or, or what's – I mean, I think everybody kind of agrees, like, hey, this isn't ideal, but what's the solution? Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I know that it makes me, uh, I don't know, uh, a get-off-my-lawn guy, but look, <laughs> I go to games. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not just a sports journalist. I, I, I go to games all the time, um, I, and, and, I, and I pay for my seat, and I am entitled to celebrate at my seat uh, whether, if my team happens to win. Uh, and I, I don't know that I'm cel- entitled to celebrate there until 3 a.m., but I mean, I think a reasonable amount of time to celebrate, and maybe, you know, it, 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 but but I, I'm an, I'm not entitled to be on the floor. 
you're not. We, we they don't even show. Uh, they don't even show guys or, or ladies who run onto the field now on television to discourage the practice. But then we encourage the practice by showing on television the court storms. Um, I don't. I don't get that. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's an essential part of the college basketball experience. And I say that because I've been to Allen Fieldhouse um, and on multiple occasions. And and for me, you know, Allen Fieldhouse is as good a place to go as there is to watch a basketball game. It, hmm. it, it's the best. And and so, like, they don't storm there ever. I, I don't. I, I would bet you that like they haven't they haven't stormed there since Fog Allen was coaching himself. <laughs> Uh, and, and 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 yet it's like it's magical. I, I don't remember a court storm at Purdue. Um, Mackey Arena is phenomenal to be at. Uh, so I just I, I just don't think it's necessary for it to, for college basketball to be wonderful or for the students to have a wonderful time. Uh, I think there's I think they're having a, a wonderful time uh, in the in in Fog Allen in, in their student section as much as anybody in the country. Um, it's just kind of become this habit thing kind of like the handshake line the thing we do um and it's not you know there's not really any significance to it other than this is my shot to get on tv and take a selfie and put it on instagram and i i just don't think that's an essential part of the college basketball experience i'm much more i think the players are much more an important part of the college basketball experience them being healthy and on the floor whether it's caitlin clark kyle filipowski or anybody else mm. Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News. Mike, we appreciate your time as always, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up again soon. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. That's Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News. You can also find him on Big Ten Network as a studio analyst and his brackets on foxsports.com. Brackets? I just I, I agree with him in general. I, just, I don't know how to stop it. Yeah, I I'm I'm gonna be I'm consistent because I said this with Kate and Clark and I and I believe this with I've seen all the angles and I was surprised that the ACC network was the one that first released the over. You think you flopped a little bit? It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Right, because I always just try to put myself in that situation. Right. Sure. Like if that was me and some and as the player, you mean? Right. Yeah. And somebody's coming towards me. Mm-hmm. My natural response would be to kind of bow up a little bit. I, I would probably use my hands. Maybe if I lean back, like my leg may come out. I'd I probably do a little forearm to keep my distance. Yeah, I just don't want to get into the habit of critiquing that. Like this is the same thing I said about Kaylin Clark. Like, well, you you may say she was hit this hard or not hit that hard. It doesn't. That doesn't do matter. I think both people were trying to avoid said player? One hundred percent, I do. Yeah, I think. Both in Columbus and in, uh, in in at Wake, I think they were trying to go around. Mm-hmm. Problem is, is uh, how did how did we get here? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. Like, so I'm kind of anti. I I just I want to make sure that it doesn't happen. I don't. You don't want to be in that scenario in the first place. Yeah, I don't care about the specifics necessarily. Well, I guess the specifics are important to me because if we're trying to get something to stop, we need to know how that happens, right? And access, it's pretty easy. No, but when you're talking about a certain number of students versus a certain number of security guards, there's a practical thing there that doesn't – the numbers don't add up. Well, there's, you could put protocol in place. In what – like what? Like what sense? Oh, you want them to move or – You want who to move? The students? students yeah. To where? Where do you want to move them to? So, like – you, you, 
you don't think why don't more people why don't more people have access to the field at sporting events i'm not saying they should have access no 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 why do you think you, you act like it's a numbers or proximity thing like why do you think more sporting events don't have people fans that can access the field I don't, it's I don't, called security right yeah okay so that's where you start so you just want more security do you have any other option no i get it i'm just saying you're talking about a lot of people like you're having a so is is eight great you know a perfect example we'll get to it on the other end i'll tell you what coach rule did more hard out sports radio coming up next hail varsity radio every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m on Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hail Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hail Varsity Radio.